With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome everybody to Kids A to Z with Dr. T. I am your host, Teresa Signorelli, and we are bringing you information about the five areas of child development. And by that, we mean physical, intellectual, social, emotional, emotional, and moral, so parents can empower their children to thrive. Well, today we have a Brains and Toyland segment that regards physical development. And we are calling it Terrific Toys and Activities for Physical Development, Birth to Five Years. And we have Dr. Maureen Shore, who is a pediatric therapist, I'm sorry, pediatric physical therapist, and she's going to share some really great information with us. Um, And she's an expert in physical and motor development and comes out of the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City, where um, I happen to be too. And um, we were on with Dr. Shore last week talking about different milestones or maybe different physical skills that we see in children as they grow from their first to their fifth birthday. And actually about um, maybe two months ago, we had Dr. Shore with us talking about physical development in that first year of life uh, for children. And you can actually access both of those shows on the Blog Talk Radio site and, 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 excuse me, and on our show's website, which is kidsa2z.com, if you're interested um, in kind of getting the full background story on this. But today I asked Dr. Shore to come back to talk about, I might say, arguably more fun things regarding physical development, and that is, you know, what games and toys and activities parents and caregivers can choose for their kids to really help them grow and um, develop nicely. And today we're going to talk about the full range of development, uh, at least the full range that we cover on this show, which is birth to five. And it's it's really our hope that um, the things that we talk about today are going to help parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, et cetera. It'll help inform decisions they make when they're buying toys and maybe holiday gifts or birthday gifts or what have you for their kids um, in their lives. So welcome, Dr. Maureen. Are you there? I am. Thank you so much for having me back, Dr. T. Today should be a really fun talk, I think. I agree. I agree. You know, it's always fun to talk about games and toys, no matter what your age, and whether it's for yourself um, or for someone else. And I might argue it's sometimes even more fun to get these things for other people. Um, And so, like I said, we're going to talk about toys and games and activities for children um, from birth up through their fifth birthday. Um, So let's Let's start off first by talking about maybe some things that parents are unaware of when they make purchases for their children um, or maybe make arrangements for certain experiences. Um, And perhaps maybe what are they surprised to learn about in this regard? Well, I think in today's society, we as a whole tend to be obsessed with our smartphones and other electronics. And we want our toys to have the most advanced apps and as many electronic bells and whistles as possible. So it's natural when shopping for toys for our children that we tend to gravitate towards the same things. We tend to choose tech toys for our infants and young children. And while these toys are fantastic and they do provide education and and entertainment value for our children, a child can have a wonderful time playing with even the simplest objects. 
So ideally you want to choose a toy that will foster our child children's imagination, things that will get them exploring and problem solving. So I tend to recommend avoiding all the buttons, bells, and whistles and sticking to the basics. You want to choose toys that really let children use their imaginations. And honestly, you can you can really save your money and, and look around the house for everyday objects that can be fun and inspiring um, just for, for everyday play. So I, I think that, you know, the main thing is it, it doesn't have to be all-encompassing, you know, a million different lights and sounds and whistles and, and uh, electronic gadgets for our, our children to just have fun and, and enjoy. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And the audience may know that I'm a speech-language pathologist, so I'm really looking at child development from that cognitive or intellectual standpoint. And, yes, electronic toys and those bells and whistles can have a place. I like them to have a limited place. <laughs> and sometimes, <laughs> like you said, <laughs> the most simple things can sometimes actually um, be wonderful, really be wonderful um, for fostering development. So, um, and, and we'll talk about all these things a little bit more, but um, let's, let's talk about any common questions maybe that you find parents ask about um, regarding toys and activities that they select for their kids. Sure. You know, I questions about toys always come up. We, we've said on your show before that um, play is really a child's job. So naturally, parents want to do uh, whatever they can to support their children in their, their role, in their job. And so toys are, are a natural question. I think parents are always interested in finding age-appropriate toys. So they'll ask questions like, is it too soon to introduce a bicycle? Or, uh, my child is turning one, what, what kind of toys should I get for his first birthday? So I, I think um, we'll talk a lot about that today and, and how to choose the right toys based on your child's development. Yeah, and and I think right, we'll go we'll go through each age range and talk about specific toys that are one might say arguably ideal. But I, I think also if parents are there to provide structure, you might be able to take a toy that is very simple and create a complex activity around it to help stimulate their thought process or their physical movement around it. Or if it's a difficult and very challenging toy, you could provide structure that makes it easier. Um, like checkers, for example, a, a three-year-old or maybe even a one-year-old or two-year-old can't play checkers, but you could maybe have them match the colors. And there's lots of things with parents um, helping out that can help make toys more appropriate. And those are things we can address down the line. But let's let's jump to what you and I were planning to talk about today regarding um, toys and activities uh, for kids in that birth to six-month range first. What can you suggest in terms of nice physical activities and toys? Sure. So at, at this age, toys should stimulate the senses, and they should promote tummy time as well as interaction between the child and the caregiver. So especially uh, new babies, they love toys with black, white, uh, and red contrasting designs, um, and they're fascinated by looking at themselves in mirrors. Actually, that never really goes away. We're always fascinated about looking at ourselves <laughs> in mirrors. So uh, any toy with a mirror is, al is always a big hit. But um, many infant toys these days do have lights and sounds, which is very good. Um, but we want to make sure that we're choosing toys that have soothing sounds and lights. So things like aquariums or uh, rain sticks or musical ring stackers, something like that, that um, the noise is not especially loud or the lights are not overwhelming to the, the infant. 
Um, at this yeah, age, I just let me. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in there for one second because I really couldn't agree more. Um, it, technology is wonderful, and lights and sounds can be wonderful. And I do really like that idea of lights and soothing sounds. Um, and to have noise, just to have noise, can be interfering. And again, my perspective as a speech language pathologist, I want that child to be listening to human voices and trying to figure out what words mean and what concepts are. So sometimes all that distraction of the senses, their auditory, you know, what they're listening to, what they're seeing or feeling, um, may all that information could interfere with what's, what's really important, and that's hearing somebody talk to them. Or even themselves thinking, because they're thinking and trying to figure things out. So um, I think that's something that parents sometimes miss. So um, I just wanted to pipe in there as you were getting there, but um, or as you were mentioning that. So I'll let you continue now. <laughs> no, you know, I think that's a that's a great point, and um, I think as parents too or caregivers, we want to choose toys that will promote our child's development, but also promote an interaction between the child and the caregiver. And so if you have a toy, just like you were saying, if you have a toy that's making this constant noise, we tend to hold back. I know when I had my son, um, my firstborn, I had to remind myself to talk out loud. I was so used to you know, being by myself and having a quiet house. My, my husband and I worked opposite schedules, so there was always just one of us in the house at the time. Even my dog didn't bark, so I had to remind myself that I, the thoughts that I was having, I just needed to articulate and say out loud. So, you know, if you have a toy that's constantly making noise or, or um, distracting, you forget that how important that interaction is. So better that uh, the caregiver is singing the itsy bitsy spider than the, the toy is. Absolutely. Absolutely. We want them seeing and hearing you. That's a real important part of the process. So, yes. <laughs> and and, and, the, and the personal anecdote is helpful. <laughs> Sorry? Very true. I, I learn a lot trial and error <laughs> with my own children. But, um, you know, in that same vein, one of, the, one of the best things that I like to offer children at this age are um, activity mats or busy gyms. So something that has stimulating colors and attachments that you're going to put on the floor and, and give your child tummy time. And you get right down on the floor with your child and, and interact that way. So while she, he or she is on her, his or her belly, there are things to look at, things to touch, things to explore. And then also to provide some uh, overhead hanging toys when your child is on his back that he can start to reach and swat at. So uh, I think busy gyms are great, and it's a great way to promote interaction as well between parent and child because you get right down there on the same level and, and play right along with that, your child. And, you know, other gifts at that age, um, I think soft fabric fabric books or toys with varied textures or tags are great. Um, rattles are, are great. They can either be handheld or um, you can get little socks or mittens that have the little rattles attached to them for our younger children. Um, and then something like... Uh, one of my favorite toys is a ball that has holes in it. It almost looks like giant mesh, um, and that allows the infant to get his fingers kind of looped in in the mesh, and he can hold the ball with both hands together and hold the ball in front of himself, which is a, a really nice developmental thing that we like to see. We call it bringing your hands to midline. So um, a toy like that will really foster that activity. Yeah, and um, two of the things you'd mentioned, one is the tummy time, and I'm sure as a physical therapist you understand how important that is at this time. Children are spending so much time on their backs, 
either sleeping um, in their cribs or in strollers and what have you, and we really uh, need to, um, I guess, counteract that, for lack of a better word, to make sure that they get some tummy time and all of their muscles in every direction are kind of um, developing as we would like. That's right. We always use the mantra, back to sleep, tummy to play. So any chance you can get to get your baby on his belly, to take advantage. Yeah, sounds good. And in terms of, you know, bringing those hands to midline and books, you know, sometimes people wonder why children need a book so early. But literacy, so being able to develop those reading and writing skills really develops as young as this as well. Just being able to hold that book and try and turn the page or try to focus on something on a page um, and bringing those hands together, like I said, to hold that book, um, those are really important pre-literacy skills. So, um all these are really great, I think, ideas, and I like that parents might have a little rationale behind why these little um, activities are so important and what they're going to help foster down the line. Sure. And, you so. know, I, I think just introducing books at, at uh, infancy just really encourages a lifelong love of reading. Uh, with With my children... You know, we, we read books all the time, but every night before bed, that's our routine. We we read a couple stories. And so that has happened from day one uh, right on for the last five years. And my children will go on their own, and they'll pull books off the shelf, and they'll just sit uh, and read. It's really something that they look forward to, and it's also something that they associate with bonding time with uh, myself or my husband or a grandparent, and just a quiet relaxation time as well. So it it really addresses so many different different aspects of development. It's it's a wonderful thing to introduce to a child, especially yeah. even even at infancy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. All righty. So let's let's talk about the next age range of that six month to a year of age. What are some good toys and activities you you could suggest for parents? Well, six to 12 months is a very active time for babies. Uh, We've spoken about this on your show before, that at this time they're learning to sit, they're learning to manipulate objects with their hands, they're crawling, some of them are pulling to stand. Um, At this point, their vision is mature, so this new vantage point of sitting up really provides this improved social interaction where they're really seeing the world in in a whole different level um, for the first time and and loving it. So you want to consider toys that are going to support this. Um, Things like a stationary play table with music and buttons and levers to operate. Um, It it gives them a variety of activities to engage in. But the main reason why I like these so much is that many of these tables can be adjusted by either adding or subtracting legs. So you can take off all four legs and just have it on the floor for tummy time or you can put two legs on and kind of recline the table on a diagonal, and that's great for seated play. Or uh, if your baby is getting adventurous and and pulling up to stand, then let's put all four legs on, and it provides a nice sturdy surface for him to pull up on and then stand and play. So I I like toys that will grow with with your child, and this is definitely one of them that that is fun and um, can be used in a variety of ways. Um, Other things at at this uh, age group uh, that will grow with your child, I like um, stacking blocks or rings because in the younger child, as he's learning to sit, he can kind of prop himself up on this. Um, And then as he gets older and he becomes a more independent sitter and can kind of reach out of his base of support, he can reach for a ring and bring it back and place it on the stack or or vice versa, or he can hand you um, a a toy or... um, 
things like shape sorters are great that, or another container that a baby can put things into or take things out of. Um, mom or dad can hold the, the block so your child has to reach for it and really start to challenge his center of support and balance. Um, and things just like cause and effect toys, like pop-up toys, will um, just engage your child and, and teach him things about the world. And um, if I press this, what will happen? And, and um, really get him, him going. And then finally, um, people ask me a lot about push toys or, or um, something for the new walkers. And, you know, there are different schools of thought on this with uh, a child with a push toy, whether it's a shopping cart or um, a, a walking toy to teach him how to walk. Keeping in mind that um, walking, pushing something does give you a different what we call gait pattern. So your feet might be a little different, your your walking pattern might be a little different pushing it, but I think it's a valuable experience for a child regardless. So um, they really enjoy pushing things across the room, and if you don't provide a, a push toy like a um, a shopping cart or something, they'll use your kitchen chairs or whatever to, to get from point A to point B. And, and that activity really strengthens a lot of the child's muscles. So it helps them develop their um, core muscles, their hip and shoulder muscles, and it really gets the whole body engaged. So I do like those toys as well. Great, super. And, you know, as, as, you're, as you're mentioning all these toys, so many of these are also super for their intellectual development, their speech and language development, social-emotional development. And what we're going to have down the line is have different professionals coming on to talk more in-depthly about what parents can do to foster those kinds of activities. And uh, Dr. Shore here is a, as we said, pediatric physical therapist, so that is where our slant is today. Um, but um, it's just um, there just are so many things that these arguably simple activities and toys can do. So um, if anybody's wondering about those areas of development, don't worry. We will have more experts on and address those in other shows. Um, so why don't we move along and talk about other activities that you might suggest for kids in that one- to two-year age range? Sure. Well, uh, we spoke last week about um, children in this age, and we were talking about how they're beginning to walk at this point. So they become increasingly independent with their mobility, with feeding and play and exploration, and they're certainly making their wants and needs known either with gestures or with speech. So you, again, you want to consider toys that will promote that, so promoting mobility and functional hand movements and grips, so um, things like holding crayons or a spoon or something like that. Um, things that look at spatial conception, um, and again, things that will foster that child and caregiver interaction. So, so can, you, can you explain a little bit? I'm sorry, Maureen. Can you tell okay. people what you mean by spatial conception? Sure. So um, looking at will this object fit through this hole? Or um, if I put this here, am I still able to reach it? Or, you know, and, and then also object permanence, where do things go? So um, I took this block and I put it inside the shape sorter. Is it still there? And then you take off the lid, and oh my gosh, there it is. So just different um, cognitive concepts like that. Yeah. So that's actually a nice example of how these motor games overlap with intellectual games and learning. Um, uh, they really do go together, and they influence each other. Um, so great. Thank you. Sure. Um, so again, I was talking to you uh, about the push toys for the... Um, that older range in, in the 12-month age, and, and now your your children are getting to be more independent walkers, so 
uh, I like things not only pushing, like like the wagons or the strollers that I talked about, um, but also uh, things toys on a pole string, so a dog with a leash, you know, a dog on wheels with a leash or something like that, because that's going to encourage your new walker to start taking steps backwards or sideways and um, begin to challenge his movement patterns that way. Um, other fun things at this age are ride-on toys that they can kind of push their feet along the ground and propel themselves. It starts to give them that forward motion and stimulate their um, balance and their vestibular system. So, you know, knowing where their body is in space and, and feeling that rush of movement. Um, I know my occupational therapy colleagues would, would recommend those fat crayons to begin working on grip and drawing. And things like uh, three- to five-piece puzzles that have knobs or, again, the stacking toys here come into play because now we're talking about sorting different shapes and colors um, or sizes with the toys. Um, and then things like large beads for stringing or, or pop beads. So um, when, you, when you're trying to string a bead, I know my colleagues always tell me you want to use a thick string or a piece of yarn that, that's easy for those little fingers to manipulate. And then at this age, um, this is when things get really fun. I think I say that at every age. But this is a reason why this age is really fun. Um, uh, they start to do more uh, symbolic and pretend play. And, and Dr. T, you're, you're really the expert on this uh, rather than me. But I, at this point, I introduce a lot of things like kitchen tools or play farms or houses with toy animals and people um, or finger play and picture books that um, the child can really start to explore and express himself or um, demonstrate care uh, through these, these characters or make up his own imaginary scene. So I find that to be a lot of fun. It really is. Um, and when you say it, you're, it was cute, how, <laughs> and I hope that's not um, condescending, but I, it's really sweet how you said how um, you always say it's really fun at this age. And I think it just becomes fun in a different way or how we really love it in yeah. a different way. Um, and, um, yes, symbolic and pretend play um, is really important. It's a big part of intellectual development, which is really a part of language development. And uh, in a couple of weeks we're going to have an expert in pretend play. So when you're dressing up as a doctor or you're pretending to be uh, mommy or daddy, it's a really good part of, of um, a child being able to express themselves and problem solve, and it connects very much to social emotional and emotional development. And so we'll be talking about that more at other times. But, yeah, this is when you really start to see those things uh, emerge and, and start to flourish. So, um, yeah, great thing to bring up. And we'll, it's, it's, it's too much to really cover in one show, but we'll be talking about that more down the line and always welcome people to write into the show at info at kidsatoz.com and um, ask your questions. We're happy to answer those on the air. But um, So why don't we plug along and uh, talk about children at the three- to five-year skill range because what, what I tend to find is that once, as the children get older, we start to talk about larger ranges um, mm -hmm. of, act, of toys and activities. So, you know, why are we jumping um, up to three to five? Um, you know, why do we tend to do that? Maybe we can talk about that first. Sure. So at this point, children aren't developing at that rapid-fire pace of infancy. So while this is still a time of tremendous growth in all aspects of development, physical, emotional, cognitive, um, it's 
more of a time of maturation and refinement of skill. So there's a lot of carryover in the toys and activities at this age range. But what you'll see, and, and you were speaking about this before, is that maturation of play and the comprehension in, in the games that they choose. So you're right. Uh, a child can use uh, a checker game earlier and play with different rules or, or different um, different strategies, but then as he becomes uh, mature, he will uh, can follow the game, he can take turns, he can understand the concept, and then you can watch that develop over time. Right, right. So what about some toys and activities um, would you suggest for parents and caregivers, bah, sorry, caregivers to consider at this three to five-year skill range? Three to five years is a time of developing strength, balance, and emerging coordination. So you want to consider things like tricycles or three-wheeled scooters, um, bikes with training wheels for those four- and five-year-olds. Um, another thing that kids enjoy is yoga. And you can get uh, yoga pose instructional cards, which will show pictures of children in, in the poses or describe them, or you can just have fun making up your own poses and try to put your body in, in shape of an animal or uh, something else in nature. And uh, children really enjoy that, and it's a great way to either rev them up and, and get their muscles moving and their heart beating, or it's also a nice way to calm down from a, a stressful day and, and just work on some stretching and gentle breathing. So um, a variety of things you can do with that. And then also at yeah. this point, oh, I, love, I just want to jump in there a little bit because I think that's such a great suggestion, the yoga and, and different moves and stretching. Um, it's something I've used with the children I've worked through my career. Um, and life is so often overscheduled and busy and loud. So being able to let them breathe and move and stretch can really, like you said, help re-energize them if they need re-energizing and can calm them down if they need it to and can really focus and really boost their ability to um, do well in um, in a learning task maybe that they might move to next or something. So um, that's it's so important. So thank you for, for mentioning that. Sure, of course. Of course. Um, so other things in that three- to five-year range, I would say at, at this point children are developing an interest in sports. Um, so uh, balls of all sizes and types, like soccer balls or wiffle balls, tennis balls, they're all great choices. Um, and as you know, Dr. T's speech really explodes at this age, um, and the child is eager to learn all that he can. So it's a great idea to choose toys that, again, will encourage that pretend play, cognition, and, and early literacy. Um, so I love things like building blocks and art supplies, uh, molding dough, or um, any kind of pretend play, whether it's a workbench or a car garage or, or a doctor kit, something like that. Um, and then finally, it's a great time to introduce beginner board games with simple directions or a memory card game, any kind of interlocking puzzle or rhyming books or activity books that they have to connect the dots or do simple mazes just because now they they can start connecting more of that fine motor skill and the the cognitive piece together and and it's it's a great time for that it is a great time and you do have so many different types of toys and yes i love art supplies um and uh, we're going to have another show at some point, too, talking about how – and actually, I've done it already. I do have a show <laughs> talking about how you – you know, it was, it was just me talking. So it's, it is more fun, I think, dynamic, too, when I can get the opinion of a second um, 
child development professional, and we're going to have that down the road where we could do it again and maybe have a, a longer conversation. But I do have a show where I talk about how you can organize that home play space. Because, you know, as you've said, and as we've said, play is so important. It's really the job. It's what, it's their job. It's, the, it's, mm-hmm. it's what a child is supposed to do. And if you have all, this, all these wonderful activities and toys, um, children don't have the intellectual capacity yet to organize it and make sense. So if parents can provide that structure and organize a literacy area and a fine motor um, manipulative area, so where they're doing little things with their fingers um, and, and engaging in sensory play like a sand table and things like that, and then having um, an art area where it's also fine motor and sensory that's being fostered in addition, of course, to language and cognition and having a place to store all these big gross motor um, toys too, that could be really helpful for them. So I encourage parents to go back in our archives for the show and look about setting up a great home play space. But again, it's something we'll be talking about more on the show because it's really a, a very broad topic. But um, but yes, but thank you. All those all those um, toys you mentioned really start to explode here because where children are intellectually um, and their ability to communicate um, is really really um, blooming, and it's it's such a fun time. Fun in yeah. a different way from the other ways. <laughs> Always so right. fun though. Always fun. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Always fun. So let's talk about, um, you know, we've given, I guess, a nice overview of different toys and games we can do at these different age ranges. And so there's always an issue of safety, too, especially if children are engaged in um, physical activities and games. So what can we talk about now to help parents make sure that they're making smart decisions that will help keep their children safe as they do start to um, jump and run and do these more active um, activities? Sure. So safety should always be a, a parent or a caregiver's first priority. So when, when choosing toys or games, you want to consider things like choking hazards. So avoid games or toys with small pieces that can come loose or be put in the mouth. A uh, good rule of thumb that I always tell people is that if it can fit down a toilet paper roll, a child can choke on it. So... Um, that's something that when I learned that, that was really eye-opening to me because quite a lot of things can fit down the toilet paper roll. So we really need to be vigilant when our children are, are playing or just doing their regular daily routine. Um, and then also when we're doing more active physical physical work, always make sure you provide the proper safety equipment. So for things like sports, you want to have helmets and knee pads and wrist guards, that, that type of thing. There was recently a study in a journal called Clinical Pediatrics, and there was a follow-up article to it in the New York Times that was regarding emergency room visits and toy-related injuries. And the authors found that ride-on toys accounted for the largest number of injuries um, and that the peak age for injury was uh, around two years old. So thinking about things like scooters and and that type of thing. So in light of this, um, parents and caregivers should really be encouraged to be especially vigilant when their their children are playing with these types of of toys and playing these games. Um, And it's so important, and I think we spoke about this last week, it's so important to introduce helmets and protective gear from the child's first introduction to the activity. So even though your child is on a, a scooter and you're holding him the entire time, just get him used to the fact that we're riding the scooter, we're putting on our helmet. Um, so it just becomes second nature, and it's not questioned as as the child grows and uh, goes out uh, into bigger and somewhat scarier activities <laughs> for us parents. Yeah, yeah. 
Right. And again, as a head injury, brain injury um, professional, it's I, you cannot underestimate um, or under yeah underestimate how important um, helmets are in protecting your your head. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And and we want them to ride and jump and and do these yeah. challenging things physically because it does it helps them physically. Um, you're making decisions, which um, helps your intellectual uh, development as you're trying to navigate climbing over something, climbing under something. But yeah, we want to make sure that we do it with where we mitigate that risk, we, where we reduce the risk and help them challenge themselves in a safe way, as safe as possible. Definitely. It can't put them in a bubble. Sometimes no, we exactly. like them. <laughs> right. But we do want, we want that active exploration. It just needs to be safe. That's all. Yeah, and also yep. proper helmet fit is so important too. So if you have any question about it, um, most bike stores are very good about making sure that a uh, child's helmet is properly sized. So I, I would seek some professional advice if if you. Some of us have that's, different shaped heads. <laughs> yes, and that's an excellent point. If it doesn't fit you well, it's not going to protect you the way you should. And you might think you're being protected or protecting your child, but you're not. And Mm-hmm. I always say not all toys are created equal <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because different toys suit different children at different times and um, and in different ways, but all helmets are not created equally either. So I think that's an excellent point is go to the professional, the helmet person who knows the products, who knows changing children's um, head size. Uh, that's a really good idea to go to the professional and really make sure you um, – there's always times and places to cut corners. I don't think um, here is one of those. Yeah, safety is um, never important. Right, exactly, exactly. Okay, so we have established that physical import, uh, physical play is really important. Um, <laughs> so sometimes we're limited in how physical we can play because the weather's too cold, or maybe it's raining, or maybe we live in an urban area and we don't have a sprawling yard or even a small yard. What can we talk about now for families that can help them keeping their kids active when they have to be indoors? Uh, and maybe where they can do that and not destroy the home, because I know that's probably <laughs> an issue for parents, too. How do, how do we strike this balance of helping them be physical and engaged and having fun and um, while keeping the house or the apartment together? Sure. So, you know, I always think back, last winter in New York was particularly challenging. We had quite a bit of snow, and it was very difficult to get out and about with the kids. Um, so we had to become a little bit more creative <laughs> with with the children. And, and there were times that sometimes I just had to say, you know what, the house is going to get messy, but we need to get messy, <laughs> and we'll clean it up. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's definitely a challenge to keep our children active, um, and allow them to burn off all that excess energy that they have when the weather kind of keeps us cooped up in the house or the apartment. So at, at home, I've, I've spoken before, I have a five-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. And um, so we'll do things like um, yoga that I spoke about or Duck, Duck, Goose or Simon Says, um, which will keep their bodies moving. You know, I just kind of come up with the creative Simon Says, jump up and down ten times, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, we came up with a couple good games last winter to play while we were stuck in the house. Um, so we we do it a lot of uh, dance parties or freeze dance. Um, so we'll all take turns choosing our favorite songs and just being silly dancing and moving our bodies. But uh, when we play freeze dance, we have one person who plays the role of DJ. And when the DJ stops the music, we have to freeze in place. And we're only allowed to move again when the music begins again. So um, what I would do is I would just experiment with different types of 
music or different tempos that and kind of watched how my children changed what they were doing with their bodies. So you can encourage different movements or um, different uh, paces of, of movement with the different types of music. And it's very interesting to see that kind of play out with my kids. And, you know, dance is just such a great activity because it, it promotes so many different things like balance and coordination. It works on strength. It works on endurance and flexibility. And then also the, the value of, of learning rhythm and, and just self-expression and just being comfortable in your own skin and your own body. So dance is a, a big one for us. And yeah. then um, another favorite we had, and this one does tend to get a little crazy, but it's totally worth it because it's fun. Uh, we would have an indoor snowball fight. So um, you want to do this in a room, a playroom, or someplace that does not have the family heir- heirlooms in it because um, it could get a little crazy. But what we do is we'll roll up pairs of socks into little balls, and we build a fort out of sofa cushions, and we divide up into teams. So one team is on one side of the sofa cushions and one team is on the other side. And we set a timer for one minute. And the object is to get have as many snowballs as possible on the opposing team's side when the timer goes off. So that means that there's going to be snowballs going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But when that timer goes off, all the throwing stops, and you have to count and see how many. So um, with that, we'll we'll do about 10 rounds. We'll take 30-second rest in between where we redistribute all the snowballs um, and then we we see who wins at the end. And it's just it's such a great game because it works on endurance, it works on power, it works on agility and coordination. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it uh, is, and that's a great, you know, in terms of dramatic play uh, and, and what's good about abstract thought, you have to pretend. Uh, yes. You're not in the snow, you're not in a fort, but you're having that couch and those cushions represent the fort and those socks represent... Snowballs, that's really that's a really wonderful um from an intellectual standpoint. So yeah, that's super nice. <laughs> and gosh, I can I could I'm picturing you and your family throwing socks at each other. Um and this is radio so you can't see, but I am I was smiling. What a what a fun, what a fun idea. Yeah. Yes, it is definitely yeah. that's a favorite. <laughs> and you know what? And I love the idea of the timer. Um, mm-hmm. because I could imagine as kids get worked up, they might get a little too rambunctious, but the timer kind of has an automatic um, boundary where they'll stop and can regroup, like you said, take a few breaths, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, and then go again. So that might be a way where parents can have control and by imposing just a little bit of structure. It can go a really long way, um, yeah. but impose um, – um, some control where um, things don't don't get too out of hand, but my gosh, that really does sound fun. Yes, yeah, it's it's a nice way yeah. of stopping, preventing it from escalating to um, nobody's having fun anymore. You know, it's, it keeps yeah. it control. Everybody is regroups and and it's, yeah. it's good. Yeah. So then uh, you see, I think the audience probably now sees the wisdom of making sure that right, grandma's you know two hundred year old vase is not in the room, and that I guess. Um, I guess it's another way of looking at child-proofing the room, making sure there's no like corners or things people can bump into. Those are things you might right. want to consider, too. That's it. And my experience is that the grown-ups tend to get the most crazy with the game. So. Yeah, <laughs> I can see. It's, it's, I'm. I can't wait to try it myself. I think it really does sound like a wonderful idea. Thank you for that. No problem. <laughs> Thank you for that. Well, actually, we're coming toward the close of the show. Um, and what I always love to have our guests do is talk about their programs um, 
that they have or places where they work, the services they provide. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that now. Sure. So as always at, at Hospital for Special Surgeries, uh, CA Technologies Rehabilitation Center, our skilled pediatric rehab staff is available to help you and your child with his or her um, occupational uh, developmental needs. Um, we will see children from birth to age about 21, um, and we offer physical, occupational, and speech therapy. Um, and then in addition to skilled physical, occupational, and speech therapy, we have um, we offer other opportunities like aquatic therapy, feeding, sensory integration, um, wheelchair and mobility assessments, uh, things like injury prevention and return to play programs. And then we also offer a variety of community education courses for parents and caregivers and professional education courses for a therapist. Um, and I think, Dr. T, you put on your website uh, our website, where you can go and you can search pediatric rehab. Yes. Um, and there you can also follow our HSS on the Move blog, uh, which is our website, which is www.hss.edu backslash on the move. Um, or if you go to our pediatric rehab page, you can sign up for a monthly electronic newsletter where you can get tips on child development, orthopedics, sports participation, and more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you all offer a, a number of really wonderful services, and um, I had even mentioned before, I had family members who have been through uh, your pediatric program, and they were very happy. So that makes me extra happy to be able to um, have you on as a guest and be able to talk about the really wonderful things that your facility has. And I do have those links up on the website for the show, both on the Blog Talk radio site and on the show's standalone website. And... Um, yeah, those are wonderful resources, and we always welcome families that if they have questions about their child's development, um, your pediatrician and if your children are in school, their their school teacher are probably those we call the frontline people, and can um, they know a lot about development. But sometimes you really need a specialist who really knows each individual area really the best. So you can ask your pediatrician to make a referral um, if you have questions or concerns about your child's development. Um, and so um, um, I guess on that note, we really are coming to the end. And what I always love to close the show with is having our professionals talk to us about their five fantastic facts for families. So the nice takeaways or the favorite advice that they love to give families. So um, Dr. Maureen, would you tell us what your um, favorite facts are for families? Sure. So, um, you know, one of the things that we began talking about today, my number one thing would be that the entire world is novel to an infant or to a young child, so take advantage of that. Uh, you can provide simple toys that can be used in a variety of ways. So you can use a box of dried pasta as a rattle or a box of scarves or clothes for, uh, you can use it for infants to explore and um feel different textures and look at different colors, or for older children to use their imagination and, and make parachutes or capes or costumes with it. So, you know, just look around your house for, for simple ideas, and anything can really become play, which is uh, a lot of fun. That's, that's the nice part about being a child. Um, number two, talking about safety, I mentioned it before, but I think it's worth repeating, is that anything that can pass through that toilet paper tube can be a choking hazard. So anything small enough to... Uh, drop down that hole um, you can choke on. And uh, I find that is, tends to be really eye-opening for, for parents and caregivers that, um, you know, it can, it can be a pretty 
large object that still poses a, a pretty big threat. Right. Um, right. Now, we talked about uh, in the past and also today the importance of getting active and staying active. So choosing toys or games uh, that will promote physical activity and getting your body to move in different ways. And I, I've said before, but I, I'm going to remind your listeners that uh, it's important to be a role model for our children. So if they see us being active and participating in, in these games, they're going to also be active and participate. So um be a nice, healthy, active uh, role model for our kids. Yeah. And then if you can get outside, definitely go outside and play. You know, uh, Get a little vitamin D from the sun and um, things like swing sets, playground equipment, bicycles, balls, sidewalk chalk, gardening tools. They're all great ways for developing bodies to play and for us to develop uh, strengths and then also skill sets. So, uh learning how to manipulate objects or hold tools and, and things like that. So, so much can be learned from just being outside and uh, exploring nature. And then finally, I, I said it in the beginning, but keep it simple. Um, and rather than having the toy do all the work, choose a toy that's going to encourage your child to, to use his imagination, his creativity, or, or self-expression. So open-ended things that he needs to design and, and build or um, he can make up a story about and tell you, that I'm well, this is a rocket ship and it's going to blast off into space by doing X, Y, and Z rather than pressing a button and having the toy do everything for the child. Yep, so that's that sounds it. good. Be my, my five fabulous <laughs> facts for today. <laughs> yeah, Maureen, thank you so much. Those are wonderful. This is all really wonderful. And um, so I want to thank our guest, Dr. Maureen Shore, for all her really great information. And everyone, please, if you have questions, if you have comments, if you want to give us feedback, uh, suggestions for show topics, please feel free to email us. And you can send that information to info at kidsa2z.com. That's um, that's A-P-O-Z dot com. And um, you could also always access our shows at kidsa2z.com also. But we really look forward to hearing from you and your feedback. We, are, we, we create the show so we can give you information that we think will help you help your children really grow and thrive. So I guess that's it. Thank you for listening. This is Teresa Signorelli with Kids A to Z with Dr. T. And we will see you next week. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. T. Have a great weekend. You too. All right. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.